I will officially start the meeting and welcome you to the Planning Policy Working Group um, and uh, <coughs> open with apologies for absence and declarations of interest. I haven't received any, Chairman. No apologies and no declarations. In which case, I move on to item two, the minutes of the previous meeting, whether they are held to be an accurate record. Now, I have received, but I'm not sure that everybody else will have read it, Councillor Lodger, an email you sent to us late on today. Um, I don't know whether you want to refer to that. Um, yes, if I could. It, it seems strange that the... Uh, you, you need to, sorry, you need a mic. You may want to use that spare one. Are we live, Chairman? We're live. We are live, are we? Yeah. yeah. Thank you, yes, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sure that, that Mag, Maggie is, is taking down the minutes, but we, we seem to get a, a, a truncated version of it with, with a lot of things uh, missing. It has been a bit of a pattern. I think members may remember that last time, I remember Councillor Barker was a bit frustrated that I had the uh, matters arising and missed items went on for about 45 minutes. But um, I, I don't understand in principle why, why they appear to be truncated and uh, items missing. I'm not sure, to be fair, that they are truncated. Um, uh, Maggie is an excellent minute writer. Indeed, yeah. Um, and um, so there's no deliberate truncation. Um, but uh, within your excellence, Maggie, if probably put, put more in than usual, I think, maybe the, the theme from this committee. Can I just comment on yeah, that? Yeah, of course. I mean, I don't, I mean, I'm writing everything that I can that I hear, and I hear what the main points that I can capture at the time and the only way I think I could get all the points that you raised in your email would be by listening back to the recording and doing it verbatim. I've got to take what I hear at the time to be yes. the most important points and that's the only way I think I can do it. I mean, I'll try tonight to see if I can get anything extra but this is a working group meeting and there's a lot of lots of discussion. I'm just trying to get the flavour yes. and the main points that are raised. Yeah, Indeed, yes, yes, but I think that the concern that we have is that um, I think as members will be aware this will be used as evidence when, when it comes to uh, scrutiny by the inspectors. I think we have to be scrupulous and it could well be that we have to look at, at transcripts to, to make sure and we that we do get everything And we have the verbatim reports, down. obviously, and I you know, fully support what Maggie's just said. Um, and, uh, but anyway, we'll, we'll try and include everything. Now, as far as the specifics are concerned, because not everybody's had a chance to to look at them, what I'm going to suggest is that uh, Mr Fox writes to you and the rest of the, with copy to the rest of the uh, people that you circulated with a full answer to all of those points and I'll add another one actually which is we also raised the issue of what are the sort of the terms and conditions of this committee and I don't think we've fully answered that question I either. Think that, I think that was part of mine as well then. Um, so we'll add that to it as well. Now Mr Fox isn't necessarily the person to answer that, that also needs to come from the uh, administration group and Mr Snow so, um, but they'll get together and it, it may be that item comes 
as a subsequent, because uh, certainly Mr Fox is able to reply to all the other points that you've raised. So if that is satisfactory to you, and then of course we can, we, we will, we can attach, as you request, your letter to the minutes, and we will, re we will attach the response, Mr Fox's response, to the minutes, and we can raise that point at the next meeting. So... If, if yes. I wonder if, to, to try and cut down the cycle a bit, we may, may get a response before the next meeting. Will that, will that oh, yeah, be oh, absolutely. Mr. No, yeah, no, okay. Mr. Fox yeah. intends to respond, I don't know in how many days, I won't turn him down, but, <laughs> no, but uh, soon, sooner rather than later, certainly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. Dean, Councillor Dean. Thank you. I have um, a couple of points of accuracy on page nine, which I'd like to deal with, and I have a thought on the discussion that's just taken place, which I'll come back to. On, um, on page 9, it's the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5th paragraph where we were talking about infrastructure. The final, the final sentence says, Councillor Dean said that in terms of infrastructure, the Council should be looking at what it wanted to achieve in the district and not using the plan as a mitigation measure. What I was really saying was not solely at looking at mitigation measures, and I think it's, it's important to you know that it was about looking at looking forward as to what the district okay. needed, as so well as. So, if we add the word and not solely, solely using the plan as a mitigation measure, yes. would that be satisfactory? Yes, that would be fine. Okay, good. My, Any very, other points? A very minor matter in the heading of PP71, where there's an N missing from implementation, but I'm sure everybody knows what it meant. I'm sure we can manage that one. <laughs> and um, what I, when I, I think it was when I was chairman of the um, Auditons, um, Performance and Audit Committee, we, we got to a stage where there were a lot of issues coming up that members wanted to track, keep, keep um, aware of and, until they were dealt with. And we introduced um, an action list which followed through the minutes. So in other words, if something had been raised at a meeting in December, then until it was actually properly finished off, dealt with, and members were satisfied with that, it appeared on a list at the back of the minutes every month, and you could say, has that progressed, have we dealt with it, and, and it was, so there was an audit trail. Okay. And I'm wondering whether that type of audit trail, action list, members' concerns, whatever you want to call it, could be introduced here, and then we might not have the same sort of concern okay. about no, I, I, repeating I, I, things, for instance, that, that you know, because... Nobody could remember when it was last raised and whether it had been finished. I, I, the minutes, as you'll know, uh, do have action points uh, within them, uh, but um, I think that's a perfectly reasonable request. So to have a, um, a, a back page, Maggie, if we can, um, with action points, uh, and you can be quite liberal with your action points, uh, and we'll just see how that progresses at the next meeting. Okay, any Thank other you. points? So those are. Uh, so we're just we're just on item two at the moment. Chairman. The minutes of the last meeting. Yeah, I was just about to confirm that the audit and performance still does that, and that those are still yeah. attached. Yeah. And it is a help. I am impressed. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we will do that here. And I, I, you, you might be right. It might uh, it might uh, answer some of Council Lodge's points as well. Um, okay. So those are. A, now a true record with those amendments, and I would duly sign those uh, at, um, at the end of the meeting. Matters arising, so going through the minutes, um, PP 64 to 66. Oh, 
chapter 56, where are we? Uh, Take chapter page yeah, 7 if you've got 60, a hard copy. 66. Well, there, was, there, was, there was an action on, on uh, towards the end of it, just on, the second, on page 6 about correspondence, wasn't there? Is that... There's action about the information regarding Schmal figures. That was the, that was the actual action, wasn't it? Um, I believe Mr. McDonald's had the Schmal figures, is that correct? Yeah. yeah sorry, through, through, through you, Chairman. Uh, yes, we, we have sent that information out to Mr. McDonald um, in email correspondence. Okay, IPP67. 68, 69. Sorry, sorry, Chairman. On, on page 6, still in, in minute 2, there was a reference to workshops. Now, is that going to come up in terms yep. of dates for workshops yep. later on? So yep. that will be dealt with tonight. 60, Thank you. PP67. Councillor, well, well that Councillor Harris was going to report to the next meeting. Can I, on, on a project plan, is that yeah, um, intended? Yeah, plan planning is on the agenda. So there's an agenda item yep. for that. Thank you. 68, 69, 70, 71, 72 to 74. Se 71. I noticed that uh, members, of the members of the working group were asked to submit additional comments on the uh, technical consultation. Did any... I know I didn't, I went on holiday, but were there any further comments that came in on, on that one? Uh, again, through you, Chairman, no, didn't receive any. Won't, right. 72, 3 and 4. Okay, thank you very much indeed. We shall now move on to item 4 on the agenda, uh, the Countryside Protection Zone. Um, and um, we have a public speaker, uh, Mrs Jackie Cheatham. Our normal protocol is to listen to the presentation and then take our external speaker, so I propose to do that. Um, it's my pleasure to um, welcome Land Use Consultants, who I believe, Mr Fox, will lead this item. I'll actually pass over to okay. Jeremy Pine, if that's okay to introduce it. Okay. Chairman, thank you. Mr Pine. Yes, thank you, Chairman. The Council has commissioned a review of the Countryside Protection Zone as part of the evidence base for its new local plan and the review is being carried out by land use consultants who are attending here today. It's a short report in front of you, Chairman, and I've attached a copy of the brief that we issued to the consultants at the tender stage, which sets out the two-stage process that we asked them to go through. And what they're here to present today is the stage one methodology assessment, i.e. the way that they will go about assessing the Countryside Protection Zone. The zone has been around for quite a while now. It first appeared in the 1995 local plan. It hasn't really been reviewed at all since then. And it originally, the concept of the CPZ arose from comments that Sir Graham Mayer made in his uh, report to the, um, the Inquiry Hopefully, Chairman, my short report is fairly self-explanatory, so I think I'll pass over now to uh, Katrina and to Philip. Great. Well, thank you very much, Jeremy. Um, and good evening, everybody. Um, actually, you've made a few comments that uh, I was going to make by way of introduction, which, Katrina, if you'd like to go on to the next slide. We've got, we've got a 15-minute presentation, which, as Jeremy said, is about the methodology for this review. Later, we'll be presenting the findings. So this is very much about how we're going to go about doing this review. 
So as Jeremy said, and just shown the slide there, it, it sort of dates back to the airport's inquiries, this notion of an airport in the countryside. Um, and you'll see Sir Graham Air's quote there, which I think is a rather lovely quote, uh, although I think it's perhaps more than pleasant countryside, I would, I would suggest, in, in, as somebody who comes out from London, I think it's a rather beautiful countryside around there. Um, should we go on to the next slide? So, yeah, as Jeremy said, it's been around since 1965 in various local plan documents. Uh, it's really a policy to reinforce normal planning control. I think it's important to remember that. You know, you have normal countryside planning control. This is something on top of that. So it's really, as it says here, about limiting the spread of the airport, and it's about maintaining this vision that Sir Graham Mayer had of an area of open countryside around the airport, hence the airport and the countryside. So you can see this sort of interesting shape there, which is sort of covering really to the area just to the east of the M11. To the west, to remind you, you've obviously got green belts, which is actually already kind of serving that separation purpose in terms of Bishop Stortford and so on. And obviously to the south, there's also green belts. So this is in the absence of green belts. In any way, green belt wouldn't be appropriate around an airport. It wouldn't meet national policy. Greenbelt is about around towns. So you've got something rather special, if not unique, here in Uttlesford, this CPZ, as far as we, our research will tell us. Uh, so it's very exciting to have the opportunity to sort of think about this, you know, kind of 20 years on or whatever it is. So, Katrina, should we go to the next slide? So, yeah, the aim of the study is to really to assess the land within the CPZ area to make sure it's meeting its purposes. And in order to do that, we need to sort of really pin down what those purposes actually are, which is very important. In order to be a robust uh, policy, you need to be clear on why you need it and, and be able to assess land against those needs. So one of the first things that we've done, which Katrina's going to take us through in a minute, is think about what actually are the purposes. We've got some sort of general points in the policy. We've gone back to Sir Graham Mayer's work. So we need to sort of really think about, you know, a bit like Greenbelt purposes. I think you're probably familiar with those because you've had other presentations. What are the purposes of this CPZ? You need to pin those down to make sure that you've got a robust policy here. Um, and why are we doing that? Is really to um, enable the council through the local plan process to make informed decisions about whether to change the, the CPZ. Well, indeed, whether to keep it at all, whether to make it smaller, even whether to make it larger. Um, so that's really the purpose of the study. I'll just hand over to Katrina, who will tell us how we're going to go about doing it, and then we'll sort of wrap up with some thoughts about uh, questions and next steps, which I will, I will sort of lead on that. So, Katrina, over to you. Okay, good evening. Um, as Jeremy said, the, the study is broken down into two stages, and the stage we're showing you tonight is the methodology and the assessment framework but to get to that framework, we had to do some research on the context of the CPZ, look at its history, how it's changed over time or not changed. Um, we then had to divide the CPZ into different land parcels so that we could assess them parcel by parcel and see if there are any differences between those areas. And then to prepare the criteria by which we're going to judge the effectiveness of the CPZ. After tonight, if we get your agreement, we'll move on to stage two, which is to assess those parcels, firstly in the office in a desk-based review, and then by visiting each parcel in turn uh, with site visits. And then we'll be back here in May to um, give you the final report, the draft report, 
um, and also to supply um, a GIS database that can be used. Sorry, I had understood, understood the report was coming back to our June meeting. Oh, okay. okay. That's fine. <laughs> okay, so these are the parcels as we've defined them. And you'll notice they're different sizes. And the reason for that is that we wanted to define parcels containing a similar land use and also that had a similar landscape character. Now, these might be refined when we do the field survey, but this is done from what we could see. Um, at the desk-based um, survey, but we also had to have recognisable boundaries. So we've used roads or railway lines or sometimes natural things like the river um, along the west boundary. Um, now, as we said, the CPZ is a unique planning designation, so there's no external guidance that we can go on on how to assess it. Um, but we need to define a methodology that's transparent and will stand up to scrutiny. So the first task we had was to define what the purposes were. And in consultation with Jeremy and Richard, we've come up with four purposes. Um, and we, from those purposes, defined a set of criteria to judge how well each parcel um, performs against those purposes, whether it's a high, medium or low rating. And I'm going to go through those purposes now. So purpose one was to protect the open characteristics of the CPZ. So this is really a qualitative measure of how much development has or hasn't taken place in each parcel, whether the land in the parcel retains that open characteristics. Um, and what to extent development, and that would include airport-related development, has already taken place. Purpose two is to restrict the spread of development from the airport. So for this purpose, we're looking at whether the CPZ prevents the spread of development by itself or whether there are other barriers, like major roads or railway lines, that do the same job. And so the CPZ doesn't have that purpose. The third purpose is to protect the rural character of the countryside. And by that, we included the, the rural settlements within the CPZ. Um, so this is a more of a qualitative measure. We're talking about relative ruralness and how far that might have been compromised by the influence of the airport. So we we'll assess this by comparing the characteristics of each parcel against the area's key landscape characteristics as it has been set out in the, the local landscape character assessment. And as I said, those rural villages, we feel, also contribute to the rural character of the CPZ, so we'll be including an assessment of their contribution. Um, purpose four is to prevent changes to the rural settlement pattern. So this is a, a purpose about coalescence. It's about the, the potential for merging between different settlements and the merging of those settlements with the airport. Um, and so we'll assess whether each parcel retains that rural settlement pattern or whether development could change that pattern because it will lead to that merging. So what I thought we'd do just to... 
put it to illustrate what I mean a bit more clearly was just to take one of the parcels and look at how it performed. Um, I want to emphasize that, that this is just a quick exercise I've done. It's not an official assessment yet. I haven't been to site. So it's just for an example. So please don't, don't take any of the... I'm not making a judgment at this point. Um, I've looked at parcel 8, which is just uh, east of Elsinum. It's between Elsinum and Brick End. And so looking at purpose 1 to protect the open characteristics of the CPZ, we can see here in this parcel, it is still relatively open. Um, there's been limited development. Um, there's no en encroachment from the airport. And the settlements are hamlets. So you've got Brick End, Plegden, I hope I've pronounced that right, um, which, are, which are circled in green. And those are very distinct from the airport. There is a sand and gravel site, um, but that's being restored back to agricultural land. Um, so I think we can say that this, in this case, um, the parcel has a, um, it performs that purpose. Um, parcel, purpose two, to restrict the spread of development. As I said, this is concerning the presence of boundary features. Are there any boundary features in the parcel that would restrict the spread of development as well as the CPZ might? And in this case, there are only minor roads and field boundaries. So, yes, the CPZ is restricting development. There aren't any other features that are restricting development. Um, purpose three, this is the qualitative one, to protect the rural character of the countryside. Um, the urban edges of Elsinum do have an influence on this parcel, but it's generally rural in character, and it has those key local landscape characteristics, like the gently undulating landscape, large-scale open fields, there's big woodland blocks at East End Wood, um, and then there's the isolated hamlets and farmsteads. So that's, this parcel does have a rural characteristic. Um, parcel four, uh, purpose four is to prevent changes to the rural, rural settlement pattern. Um, this is the one about coalescence, about merging, and I think this land parcel... If development happened, the, the, it still retains a rural settlement pattern, um, and there's very good visibility. There's very um, little coalescence happening here. So, in that terms, it wouldn't score so highly against this purpose. But I thought, wanted to contrast this parcel with another example, which is Parcel Four, which is west of Takeley, and this particular parcel probably wouldn't score as highly against some of the, the previous purposes, but it would score very highly against this um, purpose, because if you got development in this area, you'd have a real danger of Takeley um, merging with the airport, and also Takeley merging with those other settlements to the west. So I was just trying to use this as an example how it might, parcels might not perform well against all purposes, but they might be very important for one of the purposes, and that would still mean that they were important to the CPZ. Yeah. I think that last one is very important, going back to the airport and the countryside notion, because if, if Takeley and <coughs> other settlements along that road um, were to, to merge, it simply wouldn't be an airport in the countryside anymore, I think is our initial observation before we go out and do this. You know, at the moment, those places 
uh, we, we've, we've done a quick recce of the area. They, they have a sense of... Um, I mean, it looks like they've changed since the main road um, was built to the north, and inevitably there's been greater access to various parts of those, those settlements. But they still have a rural, a sense of rural settlement. If, if they were to merge, you know, you wouldn't get that um, sense of an airport in the countryside so much, uh, even though you have the, the road to the north, which is providing that separation. So, so that's why we felt it would be particularly helpful to put that one in, because it does show two extremes, I think, the, the northeast of the CPZ, which is generally very rural, and the area to the south around Takeley, which is rural, but it's got increasing sense of urbanness in there. And there's a couple of quite large buildings on the north side of Takeley. Uh, I think it's a sort of business park, um, which is quite an oddity there, actually. And it looks more like a building you'd expect to see in the airport than in Takeley. That was our initial thought. Um, so that, that's really the, the presentation. It was fairly short to the point. The, these are the sort of questions that we're interested in, which are really points about the methodology and the purpose of today, as, as we said at the beginning, is, is really to get your endorsement of this methodology so we can go away and apply it. And so please, if there are any questions or comments. Well, thank you very much indeed. Um, what we'll do now is ask Mrs. Cheatham to make her points, uh, public points, and then we'll throw it open to the, uh, to the working group uh, to ask questions, comments uh, in the usual way. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman, for allowing me to speak to the panel on behalf of Takeley Parish Council. Our district council has always recognised that Stanford Airport is an airport in the countryside and that this has been achieved by the CPZ policy. In fact, UDC has had planning appeals dismissed on applications for development within the CPZ showing how important this policy is. The parish view is that the CPZ should be strengthened, not weakened. The Countryside Protection Zone is a very important planning policy to the villages that surround the airport. There is no other policy in the district plan. plan. We, have our, we had our green belt taken away from us in the 1980s. Protect us from coalition between the airport and Takeley. The MPPF is a broad brush and does not provide sufficiently robust protection. When this during the report, whether to relax or get rid of CP, please remember that as a district council, when determining airport planning applications, UDC has always fought hard to make sure the airport does not become joined to the local villages. That is why there is so much land within the airport boundary to allow all its ancillary services to be based. I hope there is no reason to suppose that the CPZ policy will be dropped from the new local plan. Weakening or doing away with the CPZ will allow and indeed encourage expansion into the countryside buffer zone between the airport and the neighbouring settlements. I hope you will take Takeley's points on board when you make your decision on the CPZ. I would just like to add, um, thank you for letting me speak. Uh, I'm slightly amused by the four 
criteria you put down, and maybe one of you can ask the question, um, are these all rated? And then you come up with your decision at the end, because some might, as you have pointed out, some might score higher on one. And lower on the other. And I'm just not really quite sure how this system is going to work. I also would like confirmation to know whether you are going to look at this at the May meeting because it's quite crucial to, to, to us in the village to be there when you're thinking about it. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much. Um, so we'll have a specific answer to the um, criteria um, measurement, but do we have a date? No, there's no May meeting. That answers that question. So there is no May meeting, so it will be heard at the next meeting, which is in June. Um, Okay, yeah, if you could answer yeah. that, and then I'll throw it open to the, the group. Well, first of all, thank you very much. I thought they were very helpful, interesting, useful points, actually. Um, just in terms of adding up, no, we hadn't actually intended to do a sort of um, adding up of the scores, because, as you say, uh, that can mask um, a number of things sometimes, a particularly high score or a particularly low score. Uh, what we would do would be provide uh, four layers of information relating to the performance of the parcels against those purposes. And we, as sort of professional consultants, would draw out some more qualitative conclusions uh, based on... There will be a scoring against each purpose, but um, unless other members suggest otherwise, it is not our intention to simply add them up. Um, you know, it, we may look at it in other ways, like, for example, if there's a strong performance against any one purpose, uh, then we would recommend that, um, you know, that should stay within it if that's what we actually decide strong actually means. Um, from where we're sitting at the moment, I, I would say, and just to add to this, I think it's unlikely that, uh, I think the area to the south is likely to pose more interesting issues because of the, the new road, which arguably provides some sort of defensible boundary to the spread of the airport. Uh, but as Katrina said, against the fourth purpose and the one that we illustrated, the, the, the sort of totally strip, if that coalesced, then that would be a reduction in the sense of an airport in the countryside, I think. But that's where we're looking at the moment. So okay. We haven't yet done the assessment. Thank you, Mr Fox, uh, then Councillor Barker, and then um, Councillor Mills, Councillor Dean. Yes, sorry, just, just to, um, uh, for members' benefit as well, and, and uh, the consultants may not be aware of this, that this is a very similar approach that we adopted with the, with the Greenbelt review, which we undertook in terms of not having a, an overall um, combined scoring system but simply do, does does it perform as does a parcel perform well yes or no and it's just got to meet one of them to sort of meet, yeah. meet the criteria so, so just it's a very similar approach that we adopted with the Greenbelt review chairman um, yes I think um, parcel <coughs> four which you showed us at the bottom there um, it does create a very nice open space between Takeley village and the street so Takeley Street, so I, I, you know, it's excellent to hear that you, know, you think that performs quite highly against that criteria. When we've just done our green belt review, it was pointed out to us that our green belt had to be contiguous. Does this have to be contiguous? You know, if you found that there was a parcel that performed really badly and you recommended, and it is only a recommendation that the, the boundary was reflected to re, reviewed to reflect that, would it matter? 
I don't think it would actually. I mean, I can see the Green Belt, it's a strategic <coughs> designation, it wouldn't make sense to have uh, isolated islands of Green Belt. There's no reason why you couldn't have. This is your, this is your creation. <laughs> you know. And you can recreate it in whatever form you like, so long as it's uh, defensible. Um, and I, I, I can't see any reason why you, you couldn't do that in the same way that um, some local authorities define things. In fact, I'm talking to a local authority tomorrow about something they've called a meaningful gap. So you could have a meaningful gap, as um, CPZ, um, or a strategic gap. You know, and it's as long as it's defensible, these are the reasons why you need it. These are the good planning reasons. Um, yeah, so, you know, I don't want to prejudge what we'll say, but it's okay. possible Thank to do you. that. Uh, before I go to Councillor Mills, the next planning policy working group is on the 9th of June. Councillor Mills. Uh, yes, um, I wonder if you could explain the relevance of the landscape character areas that are on page 22 at the back. I mean, maybe that's one for Jeremy, but um, I'm just trying to understand why the whole of Atlesford in different colours has got a relevance to what we're talking about here. Yeah, this was put together in, 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 the, in the brief, wasn't it? Um, It, it, it was just really to, to give the a, a, a starting point to identify the parcels to use as in, in, this, in, this, in this review. Um, it's really nothing more than that. I mean, it's really down to the consultants whether they think that the landscape character assessment parcels are a good starting point or not. It was just, just that you know, we, we felt it was useful to actually give them something to use as a starting point. So that was really, really all it was. I mean, to be honest, most of the area is all within one landscape character area. Yeah. So the only difference is on the western side that it, it, um, is in the Stort River Valley. But I haven't been to site yet, so I don't know. I mean, the, the landscape character assessments, you know, don't have a definitive boundary. They, they'll be, the character will merge between one and the other. So till I go and do the field survey, I wouldn't know for sure whether the parcels we have have any characteristics. What I have done for some of the parcels, uh, there's two parcels on the very western edge, which I have use the landscape character barrier at the moment as the boundary but but until i go to site those might that might change um, but it's not it, the purposes the, the, the only purpose where it comes into play is purpose three when we are looking at the the rural character and i will look at some of the landscape character key characteristics to inform that ruralness councillor dean Thank you, Chairman. It was, yes, it was at the last meeting that I raised the question, for instance, about the parcel in the Green Belt, which is to the west of there at Birchanger, which happens to be around a motorway service station, which um, isn't particularly green. Uh, what was the point of keeping that? And that, the answer was from the consultants, well, if you don't, you'll be chopping the Green Belt in two become fragmented and they said therefore keep it. That, that was the discussion last time, so we did. <laughs> when I, in fact, talking about Green Belt, when I, when I read the report initially, I started asking my question, why didn't we do this work as part of the MGB review that we looked at last time? Because in many ways, the sort of work that you're doing has similarities. I, I think I'm right in thinking that of the five characteristics that were looked at 
for the Green Belt Review, I think you're taking three of them and then adding one on. That's the way it looks to me anyway. That's probably right. It's quite, is, yeah, it's is cool. that right? Yeah. So, so it was sort, sort of could have been, but it would have had to have been thought about differently in that area and therefore fair that it's a separate exercise. One, one question that I had on the again it was about the assessment of the, of the bids I suppose I ought to ask Jeremy this question um, in paragraph 5.2 on page 10 the methodology only scored 10% in terms of the acceptance of, the, of, of any particular bid from contractors so I'm a bit puzzled we're spending a load of time tonight talking about methodology and yet it was only rated as worth 10% of who were the best people to do the job um, is there an answer to that? Um, I didn't draft the, the briefing document myself but, and, um, but I think <coughs> I know that we, we looked at various percentages and you, you, can, you can spend a lot of time um, adjusting the various percentages and never actually quite ending up with something that works entirely. I, 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 I think in this particular situation, obviously cost is important to any, to any council in carrying out work of this nature. So that was felt it ought to be 50% of, of, the, of the weighting. Then really it's, very, it's very, very important that you get consultants who actually understand what is being asked of them and who've had experience of this type of work. And if you get that, then it seemed to us that the methodology would follow. So providing you've got consultants who are good value for money who understood the requirements of the project and who've got experience of this type of work, as obviously LUC have, then in our view, the methodology would follow. That's why we only scored that 10%. Mm. Okay, that's a fair enough answer. And I think the only other comment you'd like to make, really picking up Councillor, I'm sorry, Mrs. Cheatham's, former Councillor Cheatham's uh, point. <laughs> Parish Councillor, right, thank you, got it right. Was that, you know, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm looking forward to a, a positive outcome from this. I'd, I'd be disappointed if the outcome is it's all a waste of time and you might as well ditch it. But um, nevertheless, as with all of these things, we wait for the evidence before we uh, make our decisions. So I uh, look forward to the report in June. Yes, Chairman, I think this is a unique designation and obviously we await with interest the outcome. Okay. Councillor Lodge. Thank you, Chair. A um, couple of points. One, one a bit technical and another maybe a bit more weight for discussion. Firstly, um, am I right in thinking we hadn't seen this brief before, or did I miss it? We haven't seen yeah. that. So as a point of principle, we should have seen this, I believe, before it went out to, uh, uh, to tender, and I hope that will be followed in, uh, if, if there are any similar Well, it has not bids. been typical practice that we are part of the commissioning of tenders. We haven't done that anywhere else. But not even to approve the brief? Uh, we, I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not, not saying I want to choose the consultant, but I thought it would have been principle that the, uh, the, the tender document, sorry, the, the, the brief, the uh, terms of reference would come. But this is our opportunity to talk about the methodology, which admittedly yes, yeah. has been already evaluated and part of the decision-making process. But if we didn't like the way that land use, because they have come tonight to say this is how we're going to go about yeah, it, yeah. and if we don't like that, then we comment. So, yeah. so this is our opportunity. I this is our that. opportunity. Yes, yeah. So the more substantive point is um, 
I am very sympathetic to the, to the aims of the plan, particularly for, for, for keeping the villages apart, stopping the villages and small towns merging with the airport. absolutely agree with that. Um, one thing that concerns me, and I sort of look at the rather higgledy-piggledy, not terribly well-planned development just off to the east of the uh, airport, uh, and wonder whether we're getting some stealthy development of um, airport-related industries. And so as a matter of principle, what we're looking for, should we perhaps actually be looking for maybe a designated area within there where there could be some scope for airport expansion? And bearing in mind with our uh, aims of maybe our special purpose company, not vehicle, um, this could be something that we, we want to look at. So I just wonder whether there's um, scope now in this meeting to have a, a discussion on that and whether it might be appropriate. Yeah, I think it is appropriate. Um, I, I'm fairly confident, but um, um, either Mr. Brown or Mr. Fox will correct me here, that the two proposals that we are considering, namely the development, of, I don't know if you're talking about the Northside uh, Business Park, that that is um, within, uh, it, not within the CPZ zone, it's uh, where it sort of says PPP, I think, around those sort of areas on that map on page 21. And the other, the other possibility is um, that we have a tertiary college. This is also in consideration, and that would also be within that area. So neither of those, as far as I'm aware, would be in the CPZ. Yeah, you're correct, Chairman, on both counts. Yeah, it, the, the, um, I, I'm failing to see where that northern bit is on there. So I can the, the business park. <coughs> so where, where the big P signs are, perhaps. But it's, that is, I presume those are sort of the if, car parks. If you look at where it says London Stansted Airport, yes. Then just go to the left of that, about an inch or so. Yeah. There's two signs. Yeah. That's the north side area. Mm -hmm. So is, is, that, is that land in there? Right, so that isn't parking as such. The park arcs to the left of the, of the road that's heading, heading north towards Stansted. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So the question really is then, do we, do we see that as adequate for what we might want to do with the airport with, and obviously without destroying uh, countryside and merging villages? So yeah, I mean, that's a pretty... Discussion. So if, if we were proposing um, um, business parks in the CPZ, that would be a big decision. So, um, well... We, We've discussed before, and we'll discuss again, uh, the, you know, the um, better utilisation of the North Park, and it's a very exciting project, but it is within there. And I'm pretty confident, as is the proposed site for the Tertiary College. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, any other questions, points? So, thank you very much indeed. Um, we're quite happy with the methodology. I think you've got a bit of a feedback from, in terms of how important we consider this to be. Um, and uh, obviously, when uh, you come back with your proposals, which I think you're doing over two meetings, um, then we look forward to that and uh, obviously we'll consider them as appropriate. So, so thank you very much for your time. Thank you're, you very much. You're most welcome to stay for further items on the agenda, but I imagine you'd probably want to get home. So, uh, <laughs> thank you very much. Okay. Thank you very much indeed. So, uh, sorry, the recommendation, therefore, is that the working group endorse the stage one methodology that LUC will use to undertake the CPZ re review. Um, those in favour of that? Those against?
carried unanimously. Thank you. Item 5, Statement of Community Involvement. Hannah Hayden. Hi. So, the SCI sets out the Council's approach to public consultation on the local plan and in the determination of planning applications. Now, in January, the Working Group approved consultation of the Statement of Community Involvement and the consultation has now closed. Officers have read the responses and suggest three changes to the text within the SCI in paragraphs 3.1, 4.1 and a change to the table at paragraph 16.4. And these are detailed in the appendix to this report. Officers are asking the group to recommend to Cabinet that the SCI is adopted subject to these changes. Are there any questions or comments? Right, thank you. Colleagues? Councillor Barker. Um, A question, really. It's bottom of page 26. Um, We're talking about gypsy and traveller provision. Now, we haven't discussed this much recently, and I'd just be interested to hear from yourself or Mr Fox how we're now intending to take forward the traveller provision within the district. Excuse me. Um, Yes, what we're doing is that I'm sure some of you will be aware that in the Housing and Planning Bill there were various changes to the definitions of gypsies and travellers proposed. And in the light of that, we have what's called a gypsy and traveller accommodation assessment, GTA, in our acronym-ridden jargon, um, which we are refreshing in the light of that change in definition. So there will be survey work undertaken uh, and then... What that will do is eventually give us a, a, a figure of pitch numbers, um, which we will then assess and decide how we deal with that in terms of the, the local plan. Okay, thank you. Any other comments? Yeah. Councillor Dean. I'm picking up the comment that's made on page 25, the one by... <coughs> local group of Essex Wildlife Trust which said, where they say that they're disappointed there is no section linking the local plan with any environmental strategy. Um, I, can't, I, I can't say whether that's correct or not. Um, but one thing that occurs to me as I read further on, for instance, officer comments, there's a number of environmental groups who've been invited, is whether whether or not there's um, what I call a sort of environmental golden thread running, or will be an environmental golden thread running through the local plan, so that, in other words, it hangs together and and there are certain themes which are consistently followed through. I think this is something that probably can't yet be answered because it's uh, it's not been drafted, but, but it's something that these groups uh, and I would be um, comfortable with if, if I could see that that were the case when we get round to it, when we get round to seeing a draft. So I guess it's a comment at this stage rather than a looking for an answer, unless somebody wants to say that we're definitely not doing that. Ms. Hayden or Mr. Fox, would you like to comment? And um, we'll put golden environmental thread as one of our actions to come back to. Okay, just uh, when I remember our. Try and give you a steer. The the other point is. Um, <coughs> sorry, do you want them to answer that? Oh, oh, oh right. Sorry, I thought. Um... Obviously, it's an important factor, and it's 
something that will be part of the local plan process, but as you say, we can't tell you anything about that now, and obviously this is just the SCI and the process of involvement for the public and consultee bodies. So that is a statement, obviously, that we will take forward, but can't give you a, suspe a specific answer so, at the moment. So we'll put it on our new tracking list. Yep. On yeah. the tracking. Thank you. Great. The, um, the other thing that I, I pick up is um, page 28, linking the local plan with economic development or e economic development strategy. Um, again, I think that's another area where in due course, I want to be able to see how the Council's economic strategy is helping to deliver the local plan and that the local plan is compatible, looking you know, both ways that they're, they're compatible. Um, people, you know, there's a comment here about the fact that the district, it's difficult to get um, premises for business in the district, that's somebody's claim, and I know there have been examples of that. So I think this is another golden thread that, that, that I'd, or well, let's have it as a silver thread, but anyway, <laughs> whatever, you know, something that we can see how these linkages take place. Yeah, and I can answer this one because it is a key aspect of the plan and there has to be provision for adequate economic development. It has to, that economic development and the sites for economic development have, have got to be consistent with the overall um, um, context of Uttlesford as a rural community but nevertheless they've got to be there. We've got to encourage businesses to start and to grow uh, so we can add it to the, the tracker um, so we'll want to see that come through uh, but yes we fully take that point. Councillor Lachlan. Thank you. Um, on officer comments uh, on page 29 uh, about um, the economic development strategy um, it says um, the local plan will take into consideration and allocate employment land within the district. Can you tell me how you'll go about doing that and identifying sites uh, for employment land? Yes, uh, through, through you, Chairman. Uh, we're, we're undertaking, as you know, uh, an employment study review, which will be looking at both the, the requirements, if you like, the quantitative employment and also the qualitative side of it in terms of the sites that we have, are they adequate, um, are they in the, in the right place. Um, so, so yes, to answer your question, um, that when we get the results of that study that will clearly inform what policies we put into the plan about, about economic and, and obviously um, yeah, the Chairman was quite right about the economic development strategy which was just approved by Cabinet. So um, yes, they, they will both be used to inform what the policies in the plan say. Sorry, uh, sorry I, I did ask how you would go about identifying sites. What would the process be for identifying sites for employment land? Yes, yeah, sorry, sorry, you're absolutely right. I didn't, didn't answer that properly. Um, the process we will go through is, first of all, as I said, what this study says in terms of the existing sites and any new sites we might need. Clearly, then, what we have to do is make sure that Yes, in, in pure economic terms, they might be in the right place, but are they in the right place for all the other considerations we need to take into account in terms of are they easy to get to, are there any environmental considerations? Um, so, and then ultimately out of that, we will come up with the specific sites which we then put forward into the plan, obviously subject to this group 
saying that you know that they, they, they agree that they are the right ones. So that, that's essentially, you know, in broad brush terms, the process we'll be going through. Could, could I add to that, Chairman, that there are. Of course, hang on, just. Sorry. Start again. Yeah. Sorry, could I add to that, Chairman, that there are, of course, a number of sites that were put, have been put forward. Yeah. You know, the site at Stansted has been put forward. There are other sites that came forward, you know, pre 2014. Many of those are still there. They will have come forward from individuals wanting to promote sites. So, you know, we have got a starting point. Yeah. So, we would expect. Um, before we sign off this plan, that to have um, accepted the, the uh, economic report in terms of how much office space, do we have enough um, uh, um, incubation space, do we have enough industrial space, etc. Um, and then measuring obviously that against uh, what is currently available and already built into it, what else do we need to prescribe? So hopefully there will be some science around that. It's the same kind of science really as, as, as houses. Um, so, um, yeah, we'll want to see that shining through. Yeah. Councillor Lodge. Just um, uh, an overall comment in that I, um, I feel disappointed at this, disappointed that only seven organisations responded, that we've mainly only made three relatively minded changes to what's going on there. And I just to speculate, it hasn't been a great success, has it? And I wonder why. Uh, well, alternatively, it's been a fantastic success and everybody's very happy with what we're doing. It depends which end of the cup, Councillor Lodge, you look yeah, at life. Yeah. Um, and we may look at life through different ends of the cup, but, uh, yeah, we have what we have. Any other comments? Okay, so the re recommendation is to recommend to Cabinet that the statement of community involvement be adopted subject to the changes as set out in the report of representations. Those in favour? Those against? Unanimously. Thank you very much. Item 6, Development Management Policies Update. Uh, Mr Fox. Thank you, Hannah. Yes, thank you, Chairman. Um, this report essentially sets out for members' information where we are in the preparation of the development management policies uh, in, in the new local plan uh, and the programme we've got with, with our development management colleagues um, to get to a point where we're happy with the development management policies. As the report makes clear, the inspector when he considered the previous plan didn't raise any serious issues in connection with these policies so we're, we're hoping and we're optimistic that they, they are in the right place however what we have to look at is what the inspector did say about them uh, and more in, perhaps more importantly the legislative changes that have taken place since then to make sure that, that they, are, they are correct and they are right and it also I think equally importantly it affords the opportunity for colleagues um, in development management who implement the policies on a day-to-day -day basis to make sure that they are comfortable with them. So, so set out the programme there. We, we aim to come to two meetings of PPWG because there, there, will be, there will be several of them. Some of them members, I hope, will be absolutely content with, but there may be particular policies, um, those, those who, who sit, on, uh, sit on planning uh, may be interested in and I think the plea would be to contact us um, offline as it were um, so we can feed in any thoughts that they have on particular areas when we have when we have these workshops with uh, with development management I'm happy to take any questions chairman as I said Nigel Brown is in the as you know is, is in the room as well so if we get into any technical detail hopefully Nigel will help me out thank you chairman Councillor Parker uh, chairman I've asked Mr Fox 
I've asked Mr Fox to have a look at a couple of additional policies um, since we last were at this stage, one of which is the provision of conduit for broadband to all new developments. We can't force anyone to put in broadband, but we can get them to take it to the door. Um, and the second one is around recycling. Um, we have a fairly straightforward method of recycling, but it still requires three bins. Um, there are many houses built that are quite small, there are flats, more, likely to be more in the future, and I'm aware that Colchester Borough Council has actually drawn up a policy around this, so when we do have new development, we do have protocols in place to make it easier for our residents to recycle, because you know, it's built, built into the house on day one, as it were. Um, but there are also a number of policies, maybe Mr Fox could expand, that have actually will be subsumed into building regs, so they will be disappearing out of the system, but I'm no expert. But I'm sure Mr. Fox is. <laughs> yeah. Brown, well, <laughs> first of all, those, those are the type of things that we want, if you like, thrown at us uh, in terms of there are things, and I think the, I've had a broadband discussion, for instance, and with the arguments of the State Planning Committee, there's no policy. Well, now's the opportunity to, to look at that and see where it works. Sorry to interrupt you. Can we do the same thing for mobile phone reception as well? <laughs> Well, we can look at that. I mean, the bottom line is, you know, I'm, I'm, you know without doing any evidence, we know broadband's an issue. Yeah. Um, but, and, and I think we know that mobile signals are also an issue. Yeah. But we need to have an evidence base that there is a need before we can establish whether or not there's a policy. But I think broadband, we can, that's the type of thing we can look at. Recycling, I do agree as well, that's an issue. But I think the general theme is if any members have got, and I think... Rich is quite right. Off, off, offline, if you like. If, if any, like I sit with planning committee once a, once a month. So if there's, they, they too implement them on a daily basis, if you like. So therefore, having a discussion with members as we go, I think this is the case of any member. The message needs to go out there if member feels there's any gaps in terms of policy. In terms of the building reg issue, building regs have moved on to actually consider I mean, issues in terms of lifetime homes and also water capacity, isn't it? Is the issue, isn't it? That is covered in the building regs, but you still have to have a policy to actually impose it in terms of it. So, yeah, for like example, I'm a little bit more up to date with the lifetime homes issue. We have a lifetime homes SPD. The SPDs will go as a result of all this, and it has to be subsumed within the... Within the I'm looking at my policy colleagues. The SPDs, I assume, will go. They need to be in the local plan. But the lifetime homes, in order to enact the local plan, you need to have a policy basis. We currently have a policy basis in terms of the SPD, so we need a policy basis in terms of the, in terms of the planning policy regarding us having lifetime homes. And as because of that, we can then impose a condition. It's all a bit peculiar. It's a completely different approach by the government, which I think will actually work. And it, what it does is basically actually highlights the fact that lifetime homes needs to be enacted by an authority. It's, a different, what, it's not called lifetime homes. No, it's called Part M2. And so, therefore, we will say, well, we hereby enact that, and we will put it on as a condition, and that will enact it in terms of the building regulations. So, even though they have been overtaken by the building regs, we still need to put a policy. So, you will see them coming through. They look quite cumbersome as policies, but they're not really. They're just, they're just enacting what the building regs are. But I think the general message is, is if any member at any time... Um, me and Councillor Dean were having a discussion about this the other day about what policies might be missing. I'm quite happy to do that, and, and I think everybody, and I will give that message to, to the team as well, that if you have any opportunity, we, we need to pick up every issue, and then all that will be reported back. Meanwhile, officers will be discussing it chapter by chapter, if you like, just to, to get some sort of reality check from our viewpoint. But I must add, what we have is not far off, and what was proposed 
in the previous plan wasn't far off either. So that's, that's not, we don't need to throw the bath water, pave out with the bath water, whereas there are some gaps that we need to fill in. When you talk about water, does that include sewerage? Sewerage will never be, sewerage isn't actually planning application consideration um, because the rule is if you have an application, um, it is the duty of the, the sewage undertaker to actually, it requires the developer to pay money, but ultimately it is, it is the responsibility of the sewage undertaker to, to take whatever sewage is thrown at them subject to the costs to it. I think there needs, well, I'm not going to step on policy's terms, but there needs to be a general consideration in that, but in terms of planning applications, there's unlikely to be a policy specifically around sewage. Okay. Councillor Dean. I would like to put on public record an informal conversation that I did have last week with Mr Brown, and that is I would like to see this council have a policy on the design of windows in conservation areas. <laughs> and I'm sure you all know why, because this skyscraper in Stansted, we've been arguing Design of the window for ages, and when I did a bit of digging, I discovered the council's got nothing, and yet others, you can go to other councils, and it's all there. You know, how, you do, how you do Georgia windows and how you do other windows. I won't take it any further, and I think Mr. Brown must take them on board already, but I wanted. <laughs> I want it to the minutes, please. <laughs> a material consideration. Yeah, material consideration. And it may well be that shop fronts, and I'll say this on Mr Brown's behalf, shop fronts design as well might also be relevant. So I'd like those two things in particular to be looked at. And, and I'd I mean, I would like to come back to this discussion about how we get engaged in this, because I, as soon as I read this report, I had this horrible vision that at the June meeting or the July meeting, we're going to get presented with something about that thick, and they're going to say, do you like it? And I'll say, I can't even deal with it on paper, never mind on my iPad. <laughs> so we, we do need, I think, that, I think there needs to be a little bit of activity by the officers to help us get engaged, because I don't know where to start. So I'll, 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 I'll leave it no further. Um, and I don't, certainly don't want to have to read everything, but an index would be a good start, wouldn't it? Um, maybe so this is a very some sort of dialogue so that we don't get to July and we say, well, we invited you to take part and nobody turned up. No, it's a, it's a good point. We'll come on to the sort of the, the, out, the plan for meetings in a minute, but what you're saying is that you're going to be presented with five um, policies, all of which are very important, and what I've heard is that it's going to be a challenge to give them justice at one meeting. Is that what I'm hearing? Five. I thought there were five volumes. I don't, I don't know. I don't at, know. At, the June, at the June meeting, we will be looking at point paragraph 11 that we'll receive draft policies in two parts. The first part of the June meeting will be dealing with the following chapters design, employment, retail, housing and environmental protection. Now, I don't imagine a chapter is that long. Is that well, right? the house, for example, housing chapter is long. Other chapters like design holds only, at the moment, one policy, which is an overall design policy. So you could be looking, I think there were about 40-odd policies in the withdrawn plan, so you are looking at a large number of policies. Um, so yes, it depends how you want to deal with those. Do you want to pass the microphone to Councillor Barker, who might have a magic solution, um, and then Councillor Lachlan, and then Councillor Lodge? 
Would it be a suggestion? There will be a lot of policies. There may be a couple of new ones. Most of them will be a rehash of old yeah, ones with correct. amendments. Could we not circulate the existing policies to members and then the new ones come with track changes so that one has the opportunity to read what's there now and then seeing if you're happy with that and then seeing what changes have been applied? Because that way you've done the bulk of your reading. I'm getting nods. Yeah. Is that possible to do track changes? Um. So work has started on this already and... Um, I've created a table which goes through the policies within the withdrawn plan. Members will need to have the withdrawn plan next to them too, because, as Councillor Buck said, there will be some policies where no changes are suggested. However, members may want to read those policies just to refresh their minds, and then they may disagree with that recommendation. Um, and then track changes have been shown where there are amendments. But again, there's supportive text that also may change in policies and the policy itself may stay the same. So we are doing what Councillor Barker suggested, but it's still a long document. Yeah, OK. So does that help you? gives you an extra month. Well, we could start. Yeah, you can start. Yeah. Chairman, could I also make another suggestion as well? Because there's a second element to this. There is planning committee. I know we have three members of I think I've got three members of the planning committee in the room here, uh, but there may be worth doing a discussion with planning committee specifically yeah. as a workshop yeah. to see where their view is. Just like I'll lead on this, so don't worry. It's not. You may have to hold my hand, Hannah, but I, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm quite happy to go to to do a separate workshop with planning committee, and I can speak to the chairman uh, next week in terms of trying to set that. It means that three of you have a. Two, bite, two bites of this, but in terms of that sort of, with respect to the non-planning committee members around the room, it sort of gives it a second reality check in terms of how members operate in terms of planning committees, so I'm quite happy to do that. And that could actually be left open to anyone else who's interested, to be honest, in terms of, because this is critical, because we, we don't know, planning, this is going to last a number of years, and there are people that aren't even councillors yet who might be on planning committee in the future, so it's worth doing that check across it so separately. So we can discuss that as a way so forward. So I'm getting lots of nods around that very helpful suggestion. Um, we need to minute that and we should circulate that to well potentially all councillors actually when you do it but certainly members of this committee but I think all councillors would be useful to have as well because eventually this is all going to go back to council. Um, Councillor Lachlan. Thank you. Well mine is just a plea. If we're going to get these huge amounts of paper may we please have paper copies because yeah, you can. We've agreed we that. have become thieves from the members room yeah. and it's just impossible yeah, no, to look at this amount of paper on an yeah. iPad. Yeah, you can write that down as an action. The leader will take the consequences. Um, okay, uh, sorry, Councillor Lodge was next. Thank you. I have some old chestnuts but which have been raised and I think still not getting into the policies on uh, things such as sports pitches, other sporting facilities, allotments, natural semi and green space, all of which there is no, no requirement for developers in that. I'd very much like to make sure that is seriously considered and we don't have to fight that at the last minute. Do you wish to comment on that? Yeah, but I think, uh, to be fair, I don't think anybody's arguing with you. So, do you want to comment? No, yeah, we, we, Hannah's writing all this down as, 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 as we're debating it, Chairman, so we, we'll pick that up. We'll yeah, pick that I mean, up. I would hope we would. So, um, <coughs> Councillor Davy. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's good. If, if I say the wrong Sorry. thing, then put it down to John. Um, no, no, it, it, it was just to, just around that point where Councillor Susan Bark has come up with some additional areas that we should be looking at. And it's to go back to the sort of known unknowns part, is that we know where we're focusing on and making amendments, but what's the scope of other areas that we really should be bringing into this? And how do we... How, how can we establish that? We can throw the net wide, and I think it's useful for all councillors to have it. But ultimately, what's the? How far do we go before it's what, not relevant for the purposes of this piece of work? That was Councillor Paul Davis. Uh, Councillor John Davis sent his apologies earlier. Sorry for the confusion. Not that he's a member of the committee, but he is listening. So hope you're feeling better, John. Um, so we are asking, or we, we are suggesting some additional new policies. However, members need to be aware that with some new policies we may need to gather evidence to support those policies. For example, the building reg changes. We can add new policy and ask for more, but we need evidence to do that. So just as long as members are aware that there could be some additional work behind these policies in order for them to be in the local plan. Okay, any other comments? That's been a very helpful discussion. Leader, Councillor Barker. Leader, could I just mention, um, you mentioned mobile phone coverage. Um, I'm not sure if we still have time to put something into the summer Uttlesford life to actually ask our residents out there where we have black spots because it's very difficult to get the information out of um, telephone providers. No, we'll note that and um, if we could pass that on. Um, Uttlesford Life black spots. Any other comments? The, re the um, recommendation is to note the report. So I don't think we need to vote on that. We've, we've noted it. Yep, thank you very much indeed. That brings us to item 7, which is the local plan project plan. Mr. Fox, and then I'll say a few words. Okay, thank you, Chairman. Yes, uh, this is simply an update report saying where we are in terms of uh, program management and project planning of the local plan. Uh, essentially, there's, there's four key elements to the work we've undertaken, uh, listed in paragraph seven on page 36. Those are the, the, the over, overarching project program, which is essentially a, a Gantt chart. Uh, we have a risk register, uh, and we have a project initiation document, essentially setting out the key deliverables um, during the process of producing the plan and finally the governance uh, programme chairman. So, so really just to note uh, where we are with the, pro with the project management uh, of the, of the programme. Thank you very much. And just uh, for uh, members' um, information, and this was following a discussion uh, with the other two leaders, councillors Lodge and Dean, the proposal now is that uh, we take the um, structural recommendations from um, officers to our July council meeting uh, that council um, approves or otherwise on the 26th of July. So if you would then work back from that, um, we have a planning policy working group on the 19th, but we're proposing that that is routine business in fact, the second half of what we've just been discussing. If you then go a week back from that, we're proposing that there's a special meeting on the 12th of July, um, which is 
to hear the recommendations from officers uh, around the structure and there will be a recommendation and some alternatives but a SWOT analysis in terms of why the recommendation is the one put forward. If we then go two weeks earlier than that, on the 28th of June, we're recommending a facilitated workshop uh, for all councillors. It would be a private meeting um, for councillors because there'll be plenty of opportunity at the PPWG, which is open to the public, to, um, to, to have their say as well. Uh, so hopefully we're not going to be rushing anybody into anything through that process. That was there's a cabinet in there as well. And there's a cabinet in there as well, but <laughs> probably not relevant for this group. So if, if, if the rest of you are content, as I say, the, the, the leaders were content with that programme, so if, if the rest of you are comfortable, and then we'll obviously need to do the same thing, and we need to plan that sooner rather than later for the actual uh, sites which will fit the structure that we will have pre-agreed. Councillor Dean. Yeah, I think just to add to the re reasoning behind this is and I, I particularly felt that the last thing I want is to be and I'm sure it applies to other members is to be presented with something that one has had no time to get one's head around so if we start off with a, a workshop and gradually work through it then it's like everything else the first time you look at something it might give you one message and the second time you look at it you might think oh I like that or I don't like that so, so I think if we have essentially four bites at the cherry, we, we, by the time we get to whatever the date was, 27th of July, then the, the, we, we should have no reason for not knowing what's going on, to be honest. And we'll have offered that to our colleagues as well, so it won't just be us. So, yeah, hopefully. And as I say, we'll need to do that for the specific sites. But in September, and uh, um, I don't know whether we've now got venues for these dates, but um, we will need to do that uh, within the next seven days at the latest. The proposal is that there is a public meeting on the 14th of September, the 20th of September and the 28th of September. And those meetings will be in Stansted, Saffron Walden and Dunmo um, and subject to the availability of accommodation. Uh, but we will need to, as I say, sign that off uh, at the latest within seven days. But those are the proposed dates for the public meetings. But obviously, we will have needed, uh, before we go to the public, to have signed this off in council. And then if you work your way back, uh, obviously have done what I've just described for the, uh, the structure. Councillor Dean. Can I just come back to the earlier part of this discussion? Um, we heard from Mr Fox where he is uh, in terms of various activities but I still don't have a plan that I can look at and say oh yes uh, we're on track okay and, and, I, and, and I, I, I have I've seen nothing there is a uh, if I can just answer that one anywhere, the... and I'm disappointed that we didn't have it before this meeting never mind that we haven't even got anything on the table the, tonight. Uh, the Chief Executive has taken a personal interest in this, uh, which I think is extremely helpful, as you know, because we discussed it. Um, and therefore, um, she's going to sign it off. Um, and um, that will happen in the next week, circulated to all members. So that, that, that plan, there is a, there is a, there is a Gantt uh, um, timetable, uh, but uh, she 
just wants to fit that into the context of, of everything else and also, of course, the public meetings that we've just referred to as well. So we do want to see the, the, the fullest picture uh, of everything on that plan. Um, but uh, we, we're very close to having that. And there, was, there, there is a draft, but uh, as I say, there are one or two further dates just to put it in so it's absolutely complete. Um, and, uh, but uh, because she wants to sign it off, you just have to give us a couple of extra days, but you're going to get it shortly. Okay, I don't know whether you want to add anything to that, uh, Councillor Harris. No, Councillor Mills, I think. I was just going to say thank you, and I look forward to yeah. seeing it soon. Yeah. Well, we, I think everybody around this table wants this, wants to have it pinned on their whatever wall uh, so that uh, we know exactly where we are on the plan. Well, I think I promised I have it um, put on my chest, didn't I? But uh, somewhere that I can okay, well, have it to hand all the time. Mr. Dean may need a large chest. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. Thank you very much indeed. Item eight: duty to cooperate. And uh, perhaps you could um, refer to South Cams in this report, as that was one of the points that um, Councillors Parry yes. and Lodge raised in their communication. Yes, happy to do that, um, Chairman. Uh, a fairly um, light duty to cooperate month um, this, since the last meeting. There's been an a officer group meeting, which is the Schmar group of the four authorities, uh, and um, the, the matters that we talked about there uh, are set out. There was also last week a cooperation for sustainable development board, which Councillor Barker and myself attended. We haven't yet got the minutes of those, but, but uh, briefly, um, the, the main items that were considered were a presentation from Mark Davis of Princess Alexandra Hospital, uh, which, was, which was interesting, if very depressing, uh, in Council Park, if, if you'll, you all <laughs> agree with me. Yeah, everyone was saying at the end of that, don't, don't get ill anywhere near, <laughs> near that hospital. Um, so, no, on a serious note, it was, it, it, it was really useful to understand that the issues that the hospital, and they've got very real issues about location, siting, and, and their, their future. Um, perhaps the most contentious item that we considered was the uh, Highways England uh, presentation, there was a representative of Highways England there, so it was an opportunity for members to set out yet again, if I may say, the need for Highways England to understand that if we are to get our local plans in place and deliver the growth, they have to be aware and, and able to at least in principle sign up to the transport measures that are required to deliver that growth. And uh, I, I know, Leader, you, you've been in correspondence and the MPs have been in correspondence about this issue. Um, and this, this was an opportunity to, if you like, challenge Highways England on this face-to-face. -face. So um, the other items that we talked about were similar to the, um, similar to the officer group. This was the... Uh, strategic um, options, which is where uh, we're trying to come to some sort of agreement about where the overall uh, housing goes across the housing market area before we, we actually translate that into our local plans. Uh, and there was an update on the three memoranda of understanding that we're trying to enter into. One, 
critically the highways one with the, the highways authorities, uh, the local authorities and highways England, but also trying to get some sort of agreement about strategically where, where the housing is delivered. And I don't know, Councillor Barker, if I've covered things off adequately or if you want to add anything to that. As I say, um, I would say, Chairman, that I think the, the memorandum of understanding on one of them between, there will be one on air quality, um, there will be one on transport, and the third one is we have to deliver these 46,000 houses or whatever it is within that area. So we all need to be saying to each other, if Uttlesford says it's going to take its quota, then Epping Forest has got to say it's taking its quota and we want, and, and East Hearts and Harlow similarly, because the numbers have still got, they've got to add up to what the smart figures have come to. And if we don't have a memorandum of understanding between those four districts to say, between us, this is how we will be taking the 46,000 houses, then the inspector will throw our plan out as not sound. So we do, that's got to be bottomed out. You know, it's got to be, Uttleson says, yes, we're taking ours. Same for Epping, same yeah. for East Hearts, and East Hearts as well saying, well, we'll take some of Harlow's as well. And that is, is a fundamental thing that we're going to be looking at, I think, July time yes, that's right. at, at the Duty to Cooperate Board. Um, it seems very simple, but the inspector is not so much about an individual plan, but about how it's going to be delivered across the area. Yes, um, sorry. Councillor, Councillor, Councillor Lodge, um, in, uh, in the email he sent uh, earlier on today, in included a letter from the A1307 Parishes uh, Forum Group, who were expressing concern about, um, for, sorry for those that haven't seen the, seen the letter, expressing concern about alleged lack of coordination of the local plans um, in South Cams and Uttlesford. They're particularly concerned about uh, traffic congestion uh, along the A1307. Um, and uh, so when you have time, you can, you can read the letter in full. It's quite a brief letter, actually. Um, we had the leader actually receive similar correspondence from this group, the A1307 group. And as Councillor Lodge said, it does touch on the duty to cooperate. I think... Um, it will be fair to say that it's been close liaison historically between South Cams and Uttlesford Council, and we have agreed, there is a signed and agreed statement of common ground between us uh, in respect of our local plans, uh, and I think at one stage, though it was felt unnecessary to actually go that far, there was a, a drafted memorandum of, un of understanding. Um, so I, I think... Um, it's not a question of us, and we still have ongoing meetings with South Cams. I, I think it's not a question of us resting on our laurels, Chairman. We, we're not doing that. The reality is, in terms of the local plan process, South Cams are nearly there with theirs. Uh, they, they, are, they have consumed their own smoke in terms of housing numbers and are not asking us to contribute. There clearly are cross-boundary issues um, in terms of some of the studies we're undertaking, particularly the transport assessment, which goes into uh, the study area, does go into South Cams because clearly um, potential growth in Uttlesford will affect the transport network in, in South Cambridgeshire. And we have been agreeing those, those sort of cross-boundary elements with them, Chairman. So, so, you know, I hope I can give some comfort in terms of the, the relationship with South Cambridgeshire in response to that, to that letter. 
Thank you. And I wrote back, in fact, to the chairman um, of, I think it's Horse Heath Parish Council, isn't it? So, and I think pretty certain I copied number in because they had copied you in in the first place. Um, Councillor Lachlan. Thank you. Well, if I could go back to page 26, or we're talking about duty to cooperate, um, Epping Forest have said that um, they stress that this is a difficult issue for them as a 92% Greenbelt authority and thus likely to be seeking options for possible joint provision. So where do they stand in duty to cooperate? Um, because it doesn't seem very likely that they're going to be able to do that as much as some other authorities. I'll uh, kick that off and then uh, let uh, Councillor Barker or Mr Fox comment. First of all, I'll do a classic politician's answer by answering a slightly different question. Um, because there is some good news because, um, well, good news for some, but uh, East Hearts have given the green light to the new single settlement or the new development uh, north of Harlow. Um, which I think they're going to put in their plan at 3,000 but could rise to many more than that. So in terms of the, uh, the combined number that Sue was talking about earlier, then you know, that's a very helpful contribution and we should also actually deal with any uh, difficulties that Harlow itself may have. As far as Epping are concerned, yes, they are 90-something percent uh, green belt, um, but bluntly, they're going to have to find homes for their houses. They would say what they've said, wouldn't they? Well, exactly. uh, uh, but, uh, you know, it's a duty to cooperate, it's not a duty to accept. So I'll let others contribute, uh, speak further, because they're obviously having the negotiation. But um, we shouldn't be over-alarmed by that. I think, Chairman, that Epping has realised they do have to take their share of housing. They are looking at areas around railway stations um, for higher density housing. Um, there is no indication at the moment that they are looking to go outside um, Epping Forest for, you know, to deliver their provision. That may come, um, but they, like us, would have done a Greenbelt review, and because the way Greenbelt reviews are done, there will be the really must-keep Greenbelt, which is going to be the, the Epping Forest, if you like, of this world, but then there will be lower quality Greenbelt, which is likely to be around their major settlements, some of which will be identified for housing. And they, there's a, there's a cartoon that's bandied around at lots of these meetings. It's one of uh, Mr. Hesseltine saying, no stone unturned. And unless the inspector believes that they have left no stone unturned to deliver their provision, then he will not accept that they have gone elsewhere for it. So what I'm basically saying is, you know, round the Waltham Abbeys or the Waltham Forests or the, the Ongas or the Eppings of this world, um, I think one will find that they will be releasing parcels of less good green belt to accommodate some of their housing. And you'll be aware that uh, the uh, Secretary of State on appeal approved some green belt for development. It's always controversial, but um, it is happening. Any other questions on this item? So, sorry, Chairman, if I can just add very briefly to what Councillor Barker said. There's two, there's two other points, I think, to be borne in mind as well in terms of the relationship with Epping. Um, you're quite right. They, they are looking very carefully at what what we call urban capacity again in the jargon that's 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 how much how much development can take place within the existing urban areas and and, and you're right councillor they are looking at, at more dense development they're also uh looking as part of their green belt review what they're strangely calling brown belt um which is which is a new one we have greenfield and brownfield and green belt but now we've got brown belt um which is 
the sort of, if you like, the, the little indentations in the green belt, which don't appear to serve really good strategic green belt purposes, but which collectively can deliver quite a bit of housing. And so the, very, the final point I would make as well is one of timing, because Epping Forest are going through, uh, they, their, their local plan will be published after hours. So at the moment, under duty to cooperate, they're not asking us to take, you're quite right, asking us to take any of their housing. So if it gets to the stage where we have published our plan, and they haven't asked us to provide any housing, then I'm afraid our response will be, if they do, it's too late, yeah. being, being blunt about it. Councillor Lodge. Thank you. The, the last inspector said that we, uh, we passed the uh, duty to cooperate by the narrowest of margins. I forget its precise terminology. I just wonder whether um, we're going to pass with flying colours. It doesn't quite feel like it yet, but uh, I'd welcome a comment on that. Maybe from Mr Fox as he's settled in and, uh, and seen what's going on. I, I, I think that um, there was duty to cooperate going on before. It has ramped up a bit. I, I go to ever so many meetings, whether it's the London Stas and Cambridge Consortium, whether it's meetings with Braintree, whether it's meetings with South Cams, um, um, and, and the duty to cooperate group. Um, we were up in Cambridge the other day with the sort of wider east of England and issues, you know, affecting Essex and Hertfordshire. I think what has changed is that it is being recorded and written down much better. And I think that's... And that's we'll see those. That, uh, there's not much coming through, it's a problem. We're not seeing much. Um, well, th this, one hasn't, this one was only last week. That's why there wasn't time. But on last agenda, there were yeah. two or three papers on yeah. the last items on the duty to cooperate that were there, the minutes of the meetings. And if, just, just, just to say, though, they do, what we've seen does look sketchy. I'm sorry. Uh, compared to a lot of professionalism in other papers, they look really sketchy. And, I think and that might lead the inspector to detect the wrong... Uh, I'll let Mr Fox comment, but I think the other key point was, of course, that we didn't have an up-to-date schmar the last time. Correct. So by having, you know, by the four of us engaging consultants to do the schmar has, has driven a process that didn't exist the last time. So I think it's fundamentally different, actually. But I don't know whether there's anything to add on that. Yeah, yeah, something different, actually, Chairman. The, the absolute critical thing will be getting these memoranda of understanding signed off. Because if we can demonstrate to the inspector that on the key issues such as transportation and the location of housing that all the four authorities... Uh, have signed, and again, it, it, with the counties as well on highways, there is no better evidence under duty to cooperate than that, Chairman. And uh, just a point there, th this whole highways thing is absolutely fundamental. So it's not just about Junction 8, it's about Junction 7 and 7A. Um, and, and they have to be able to accommodate the sort of development that I've just referred to. Um, and um, so... We're not happy with the response from the Highways Agency, so uh, a further letter has been drafted, which will, will again be signed by the leaders of the four duty to cooperate councils, which is further evidence of us working together. It will be copied into the local MPs. I've already briefed uh, uh, Sir Allen, and this has got to go to the Secretary of State, because this is absolutely fundamental. We cannot have an inspector saying that the M11 doesn't have capacity, because we know there are problems, so please don't repeat the problem to us because we've been hailing it to you. So we've got to have a very clear audit trail, which we will have, that we've raised it at the highest level to deal with. Councillor Dean. 
There is something that came into the public domain in the last couple of weeks that I think it's probably worth you or Mr. Fox saying something about. This was the report published by an organization called Nathaniel Litchfield, which was claiming um, that, you know, that this council was one of 21 that, might, that was at risk of being called in by the government and you know, taken over. I, I, think it's, you know, I think it's appropriate to put in the public domain a response to that, because it's, particularly if it starts rumbling in the newspapers, uh, in the next few weeks and some members of the working group might not even be aware of its existence. And it's, it's, yeah, it's, I, I it's mean, appropriate uh, to the uh, I'll ask uh, Mr. Fox, I, mean, um, I think everybody is aware that uh, March 2017 is a critical time. We don't need uh, outside consultants to speculate on that. But uh, Mr. Fox, you may have further to say. Yeah. Yes, several points, Chairman. Uh, I think the first thing that goes without saying is this is Nathaniel Litchfield and Partners' view of the world um, and not any sort of independent um, sort of recognised um, group. Uh, we are checking, and it's, very, it's a very technical document, the accuracy of their claims about our housing figures, which we think face value are inaccurate, so we think they might, be, they might be factually incorrect. The third point I would make is that their whole premise of intervention is based on what is at the moment, at the moment a government consultation paper, and you recall we took this to the last meeting, Chairman, about how and when the government might intervene um, in local plan preparation. So that at the moment is consultation, but they've taken that step forward and assumed that's the way it's going to be. Um, as far as, um, as central government goes, we have met uh, representatives at CLG um, a couple of months ago. We set out what our plan making programme was and their opinion was it was sensible and pragmatic. Those are the words they used. And if we, if we stuck uh, to our timetable, and that's obviously a critical thing, they saw no grounds whatsoever for intervention, and that's straight from the horse's mouth, Chairman. A couple of final points I'd make on, on this, this issue is um, we're also taking independent soundings from, uh, will be from the planning inspectorate, uh, and our retained barrister um, in terms of our programme and the risks that we may or may not incur. So we will get a sense check from those sources as well, Chairman. Um, I think that's all I have to say. Thanks. Good. Any other points? Thank you very much indeed. Meeting closed 8.32. Thanks for your time.